It's October 4th, 2021. This is Rook. She is an Iranian ESL teacher who has become recognized for her extremely popular Instagram and YouTube channel over the past few years with her charismatic Canadian life partner, of course, a dynamic duo, Tina Talebi, and her husband James are now YouTube sensations bridging cultures and dance moves. Tina Talebi joins us for a feature interview today. But first, the Rook Away team is back from the UK with a lot of footage shot and a lot of fish and chips consumed. We will give our thoughts on the trip to England, Inglestan Khodemun, and how many PCR tests we've had in a week. This is conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 149 of Rook. Nice to be talking to you. Hope you're keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Durud Bar Shoma. Tina Talebi. Tina Talebi came to Canada from Iran in 2001, didn't speak any English. Wow. Yes. And I guess partly as a result of that, has dedicated her professional life now to teaching wow. English. Um, she understands what it is to be an immigrant who comes to this country and doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. And so she's mm-hmm. turning around as a ESL teacher, but she is best known, as we know, and as many folks listening would know out there, uh, for becoming this um, YouTube Instagram That's sensation right, yeah. with... She married a Khariji named James. <laughs> <laughs> but it's adorable, actually. It kind of shows uh, the perspective of someone outside of the culture and what they think about it. It's kind of yeah, cute. Yeah, they just they kind of, in a fun way, this couple, Tina and James, uh, it's very entertaining. I mean, he's very cute and charismatic, and he's Canadian. And well, I mean, I don't actually don't know his origins, but he's a Canadian guy, and mm-hmm. and uh, and she's more recently from Iran. And uh, so she's teaching him Farsi. Mm-hmm. He's teaching her stuff. And and they kind of bridge cultural divides and yeah. talk about differences. And anyway, just in the last couple of years, I guess in the the COVID era, they've become. Uh, um, internet uh, stars and um, so Tina Talibi will be joining us in just a few moments from lovely Kitchener, Ontario. Kian. Ah, I have not been there in quite some time. Uh, Years, have you I ever believe. been there? I think once oh. we passed through. Yeah, have scenic, you? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> scenic, scenic Kitchener. I'm being half sarcastic. It's actually, it is a nice area. Waterloo, Kitchener, um, and uh, so anyway, we'll get to Tina. Hello to you, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Hi Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. And hello, Groovy Shia. Hi, Azizam. Hello, hey. Azizam. Uh, we are just back from the UK. Yes. yes. Welcome right. back. <laughs> we exhale. Um, nice we were day. in England. Uh, Inglestan to uh, to shoot a bunch of footage for a new Rook Media video series coming soon that uh, Captain Reza has to feverishly edit now. 
Yeah. Maybe Savvy Roham can help you. Maybe, maybe if Savvy Roham can help with uh, with our regular programming, you can then do I some can, Yeah, I can focus on the Rock on the Road, attempt tentatively titled. Right. Uh, it's actually not the title. That's not the about title. That yeah, but, it's but, working title. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> we did a gazillion interviews. We went through. Uh, about six umbrellas each. <laughs> oh my God. How many yeah. umbrellas? Did you actually bought a few umbrellas? I, I, got, I bought, I think, two umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> Lost one, bought another one. And the freaking Thinex is expensive. I mean, yeah. holy. Every uh, time I spend pound and I'm like calculating it in my head. I know. I you like, can't do the calculations. Yeah. No. It's just, it's, it's, it's just big too, it's too frustrating to do the calculations. <laughs> oh, it's only six pounds for a burger. Yeah, right. Oh, right. That's $40. Dollars. <laughs> I don't even know what the exchange is right now. Um, uh, but the f- the worst part about the umbrellas was I was the whole time I was promoting England because of course it's my yeah. land of my birth I love it I, all things English and so and I keep uh, Kian you're yawning oh I'm, I'm I need you're sleep so je- <laughs> I'm well, still she's jet lagged England time I woke sure, up at four a.m. today and could not so, go back to I know I did the same but anyway uh, I was actually just talking about you because I was I kept on trying to promote England to you and then and and I know you're very weather sensitive <laughs> yeah and then the rain would start again and Kian would be like. They don't get this in Florida, you know, <laughs> or whatever okay, you, you man, know, your favorite places. It was like summertime weather in Toronto while we were gone, like That's 30 cool. degrees. I south. know, and when we when we met a bunch of Persians there, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, mm. but, uh, you know, uh, Captain Reza, when we were at that place on Saturday night, and, and they were <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, as yeah. Conodoma, as bad fall. Oh, you know, they came from the snow, and it was like, uh, actually, no, it's no. warm in Toronto <laughs> and, and, and cold and rainy here yeah, in, yeah. in London. Uh, but um, we've got this video series coming out. There are... So many very unpredictable twists and turns. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what this is going to, you know, uh, turn out to be. But uh, let's just say the by the weekend we had really integrated into mm-hmm. parts of the Persian community in London. It's a very vibrant and mm-hmm. interesting Persian community there. There's they're sort of situated in three places in England. Those who live in England below, sorry, in London, I should say. Although more than half of the Iranians, people of Iranian descent in England, are in London in the Greater mm-hmm. London area. So there's Kensington yeah. and. Kensington High Street, where the older, maybe first generation, uh, the OGs, the ones who, what do you call it? The first wave, first wave mm-hmm. immigrants yeah. came to uh, Kensington and we, you know, hung out there a little bit. Then there's Ealing. Ealing. And Ealing in the East End, near Ryslip, where I was born, is uh, is more uh, middle period Persians, and uh, and that's where some of our friends ago. like Ali Azimi lives and uh, some other folks. And then there's Finchley. Finchley. Which uh, Captain Reza and I spent some time in with a couple of our guests there. Yeah. And Finchley is is the sort of new spot for, or newer, I mean, it's mm-hmm. also been a, but a newer spot where a lot of restaurants and Khorak markets and stuff have, have, have opened up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we explored all of those places, met some interesting folks. And uh, I, I loved being, uh, and we'll, we'll roll those out in the coming weeks uh, on our platforms. But I loved being back in England. My the, my rocket sandwiches. Oh yeah, explain that to people because well, you said that over when we were over there too. Yeah, yeah, the rocket, rocket. I, you guys didn't know what it was, and mm-hmm. and I don't blame you because it's a very weird thing. For some reason in England, we call arugula. The, you know the, the herb, leafy the leafy green yeah we call it rocket oh. or they call it rocket yeah <laughs> rocket so you can have a rocket and cheese sandwich 
What's the significance of that? I have. <laughs> it's tasty. That's the significance. Urban it's tasty. Cheese. And by the way, it's easy to eat because no one's wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. It's, the, the pandemic is over. In that was the first oh surprising God. thing I yeah. noticed. We had to download at least six apps and ask all kinds of, or answer all kinds of skill testing questions to get in. But the, mm. once you're there, no you know. free. Everywhere is just Wasn't open. that weird? Very strange. Every shop, every bar, every really? hotel. No Nobody. one. No one. No one. What about the vaccine like uh, passport and nothing. No. nothing nothing needed no yeah. I, I mean they to get in you know to get into the country without right. quarantine True. you have your vaccines yeah. but you yeah. show them but and you get this what is it the locator thing form. Yeah, locator thing. form or yeah, something locator like form but um but no once you're in it's uh it was actually i think we you know we all talked about this and we don't have to go on ad nauseum for folks here but we for the first two days we were just in shock coming mm. from canada because we're so used to right. it's been two years of wearing them i mean you know even as things have opened up it's it's never been a question of taking off the mask, you know. Right. It's like the gym is open again, yeah. but we still have to wear yeah, yeah. masks. So to just go to a country where, yeah. I guess they were saying that the rules have changed, where they're allowing. Uh, they said, you know, it's it's uh, your, your choice. You know, you can you have the option, yeah. yeah which means basically, <laughs> I mean, we did see some folks, and I know that there's going to be people like told, from outside of the country. Yeah, they look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, uh, like more our friend Moral Mohammadi, who okay. uh, we did an interview. She was saying that she still wears a mask and on the subway s- some or folks, tube, as you <laughs> yeah. call them. But that's it. Well, I I don't call it. It's called the oh, tube. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you call it. <laughs> as you call it, Gianni. But, we are yeah, yeah. Like, as people. He call came it. up with the name. No, yeah, it's, well, anyway, people were, it was weird, Shia. Yeah, but I mean, when I want to go to washroom here, I mm. wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like wearing the When you want to go to the washroom, we wear a mask, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Not a nice image to have. Right. <laughs> Just <laughs> after a little while, it's liberating, though. I don't yeah. know. Like when I came, when we came back here, like I was like, oh, oh my god, like, I gotta wear this mask again. Yeah. Like today, I was yeah. returning some equipment. I walked into the store, forgot to put my mask on. The guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't let you in without a mask I on. Yeah. By the second or third day, I realized there was one day. Uh, where I left the place I was staying and I, I didn't have my, my mask in my pocket and I was like oh I gotta go get back and I thought I don't need the mask right. you know even though I yeah it was a very mm-hmm. even in the gym nobody was wearing a mask yeah, so. Um, speaking of the tube, this was Captain Reza's first time in London. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was but, very I mean, you really liked the tube. I, it took a I couple days it. where I was like, Reza, we got to take the tube. Yeah, Jean kept insisting, we got to take the tube, we got to take the tube. And uh, I was like, what, what is this tube? Like, I don't want to go into no tube. Like, don't talk to me about tube, no tube. And then uh, I was like, let's just take an Uber. It's going to be faster probably. We got a lot of equipment with us and stuff like that. But uh, then I went on the internet and <laughs> I was like, wow, it's got really, it's really cool. And like, it's like a maze. You, you realize it's the same, the exact same thing as the subway in Toronto. Well, correct? It's, it <laughs> like, is, I'm sorry, what am I missing? Times no, it's a million. It's like, actually it's a little cooler. How is it cooler? Like, it's, it's got, got the history. circular, you know, yeah, and it's got, yeah. and it's a way, way more integrated and you can go anywhere. In li- I mean, anywhere. let's just put this in the context. We would pick a place to go. Reza and I would take the tube and Keon would be in a limo. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that, that's not a lie. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, actually, we, yeah, we I took the tube one time, and you that did, was enough you for me. You said that's like, the last right, time. We're, we're done here. <laughs> At the end, I thought I like love the tube. I, I really too. do. I mean, you guys know that. But uh, but also Keon. I mean, Keon's wardrobe 
was quite a theme of the week. She was there for the fashion week. Listen, we would turn up. I mean, we we knew like we'd be like we're gonna shoot outside in a you know and Reza and I would be in like in old jeans and running shoes and Keon would show up in I mean ready for the Met Gala. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. no no word of a lie. One of your outfits was like a bridal like a oh, wedding dress. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost. did get asked if I got married. Yeah, we. I was with you. I was with you. On the, you wore it on that. We, we, we went to a bar and they were like, "Oh, it's your wedding day." I was like, "No, this is my friend Keon who dresses this way." I will say I love the way that in London everybody dresses up. Like it's not you can dress however you want, yeah. but the fact is people put in effort. Yeah. Com- when you compare it to Canada where it's like casual culture, you mm. can wear sweatpants in public. I I belong in London. Let's there just were, put it that there way. were a couple of moments where we were slowed down by Keon's heels <laughs> as we were walking through a field. Uh, it was like the night. we're literally walking. No, you remember when we were walking through Hyde Park to get to Bucky and Ballas yeah, 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 yeah. and we had to stop <laughs> yeah. for Keon to yeah. walk with her. I mean, it was uh, and then also Keon, you know, God love her. When she, when we get to England, Keon becomes Keon Docht, right? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> especially with the, the people she wants to impress, the Persians. So we were like, and Keon, oh, this is Ali Azimi. She's like, uh, hello, I'm Keon Docht. <laughs> yeah. the fuck is, since when are you Keon Docht? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, and then like, you know, if there's some guy serving us, in the, it's like, yeah, I'm Keon, you know. But then like, uh, Keon, I want you to meet Bess Abulur. Hi, I'm Keon Docht. There are three phases to Keon's name. One is uh, Keon Docht, where she, if she meets a Persian, she's like, hi, I'm yeah, Keon Docht. And they're all impressed. They're like, they wow. Appreciate it. They, are, they know so what that name But she also enunciates it like really, really yeah. particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Kian Docht. <laughs> if she means I, I, there should be like a Kian Docht the third. You know, yeah, should yeah, be, yeah. Should be totally. a, a title. Well, behind especially it. Like, someone like Behzad Bulu is like, wow, it's me khushkeli. Like, yeah. you know, he appreciates <laughs> the culture. I just love that. I love that. It's been a year and a half. Like, we, we called you Kian Docht a couple yeah. of times. You were like, shut up. I'm yeah. Kian. I hate that. But as soon as we get, you know, and this is a, a professor of Persian. Yeah. Like, Hello, yeah. I'm Kian. Kian Docht. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, Kian. Yeah. If she's if she's hanging out with like second generation Iranian yeah. or like foreigners and stuff, she's like, I'm Kian. And but if she's dealing with authority of some sort, then she's Kian Docht, but she apologizes for her name. Oh, she was the Kian Docht for authorities she, as well. well no, 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 no. At no. the airport, I like listen, they see that it's Kian Docht. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I go by Kian, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm not one of and them. I'm sorry, <laughs> my parents. Yeah, she's, she's like, look how white I am, I swear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then amongst the Iranians, like the old school Iranians, like, I'm Kian oh, Like, it. yes, I'm one of you. That would, yeah. I'd love it. I mean, you know, I, it hasn't occurred to me to be Gian Pesad. <laughs> I mean, it's the only place that Iranians actually appreciate the original Kian name. They're like, wow, your parents must have really. Me, which is why you're saying it. I mean, that's yeah, just a funny exactly. thing that you need to say that. Yeah. To, uh, this is going to play well with Ali Azimi. <laughs> Let me say, despite the fact that everyone, including the the guys I'm with know yeah. me as Keon. I'm going to be Keon Docht. She's got it all figured out and it works. She impresses people. Yeah. And like we were at the hotel. She oh, was checking she in. Asked me I, know. I know. Well, I know. would you like to go for a drink? I'm Keon yeah. And then on the one hand, Keon's like in a wedding dress, you know, and, and you know, pumps or whatever. And then on the other hand, Reza keeps getting us almost arrested. And oh, wow. Like a, you yeah, know, the, you're not lying. I mean, how many there times was, there was yeah, the time twice. we were, we, got we were somewhere we were, Actually, it was in Chelsea or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. and and Reza was like shooting uh, me walking down the street, and then mm-hmm. like a woman came up, panicked, you know, like, yeah. "Why are you taking pictures of our children?" And you know, <laughs> that's a, yeah, and she really, like, yeah, you take, take was, a picture of children. Well, I wasn't taking 
taking pictures of children. No, What's no. Wrong? What do you think I am? No. Shia, there was a school, and like school was out, parents were picking up their kids, and uh, Reza, you know, looks suspicious with the camera. To be fair, Reza, I mean, he, like, he, he Reza cleans up well, but not when we're in England. Yeah. He had the backwards you know, cap and the he looked sweats. Like, he looked like a criminal <laughs> on the loose. Like. Criminal. So, and then, and then, and then we're at the British Museum. Yeah, yeah. The second, yeah. second time, and uh, we're in the ancient Iran <laughs> yeah, section, and so all of a sudden we're yeah. surrounded by. Security. I mean, to be honest, they weren't that intimidating. They were like <laughs> tiny, you know, in, museum in, but, but, but Museum people. <laughs> yeah. but there was at least five or six of them. Um, what are you doing with like confronting yeah, Reza? Like yeah. Kian and I had to step in. No, <laughs> it's okay. We're just friends yeah, shooting. Like, you know. Do you have permission to shoot? I'm like, I don't need a fucking permission. I'm getting into argument with the yeah. Kian is trying to defuse the situation. I'm like, I've been to Thailand. I've shot worse. Get out of here. <laughs> so I don't know Relax. what it is about you, Reza, but you look like oh. you know people uh, are. You know, it was like to get out of it. It had to be. You see, I'm with a woman who's getting w- married today. She's wearing. <laughs> Swing, as you can see from her wedding dress. This is a wedding video. We're I don't, is that a fashion temple. to wear a wedding dress? It was not a wedding. It was just a white dress, Shia. It, and it was just uh, elegant. A and a tiara dress. or yeah, something. Yeah, that, to be fair, yeah, the headband oh, kind of gave on. it away. Yeah. Who does that? that was Listen, that it's London. You can dress up and That's not true. look weird, but just you know don't what? wear white, I guess. Maral was saying you can be a cat if you want to be mm-hmm. in London. So that is how one thing, is, especially so. the area we were staying in Soho, like Friday night. Like listen, oh, fat. Like show. I don't know what is in fashion over there, but like it was all over the, it's the place. Best. Yeah, it's, I love. It's I, so cool. I, I love my London. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so we've we've got some interesting footage. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. knows what it'll turn into? But uh, <laughs> see. we'll see. We'll see. We'll get see. that uh, out uh, with our new series coming up soon. We're coming to you on RookMedia.com. It is there. You can link to all of our platforms. We're on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. So we're on. Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and CastBox. If you'd like to see some visuals with your Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, you can check us out on Telegram, at Rook Media. Um, actually, as of this recording, um, you won't be hearing this on Instagram, because right now Instagram oh, yeah, and yeah, Facebook yeah, are down. And actually, WhatsApp is down. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know... I don't know how big a deal WhatsApp is for for folks who don't have a lot of friends and relatives abroad. <laughs> so but for those, uh, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> no, no, no. For those of us who who have a um, you know a lot of people yeah. around the world back in Iran, different, you know, friend, mm-hmm. WhatsApp is pretty much a lifeline. You yeah. know, so yeah. you know, the fact that it's been down today, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming when people hear this tonight or or tomorrow or in the coming days, hopefully it'll all be back up. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. for the sake of society, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people are throwing themselves out of buildings probably right now. Yeah. I, I don't know how the influencers you know are dealing with this it might be jonesing right now because when we were in london like we were communicating with all our guests who were booked and like people trying to book stuff and all through whatsapp like if we were there right now it's that's a big one that's i mean you can kind of do of course we like the social media in terms of Mm. our putting our show on instagram but but uh we can almost do without those i feel Mm. like i mean i'm i don't even know how i feel about social media in general i wish twitter was down too (laughs) but but whatsapp uh, as a communication tool to be down is yeah. is going to be a really problematic yeah. if right. it uh, yeah, it's if it's still down. Uh, hey, you can still go to our website. That's still up. Rookmedia 
rookmedia.com where you can become a patron of this show rookmedia.com just press on the support us button if you if you're a regular listener of rook and you want to uh, support and uh, help us crowdsource this that's a big way uh, we stay uh, we keep things going so just go to that support us button at uh, um, at the rookmedia.com website. Also, a shout out to myterms.ca. Arashen Anita Fazilipur. They are life partners and business partners and the founders of myterms.ca. This is a mortgage company in Ontario, Canada. Reza? Reza June? Yes, sir. You like mortgages. I love mortgages. You like houses? I love houses. You like multi-million dollar transactions? Who doesn't? Right. (laughs) Myterms.ca. They have a really good record with myterms.ca, focusing on the service aspect of the mortgage business. They're very well reviewed online. They specialize in multi-million dollar transactions through institutional and private sources and represent a handful of wealthy private investors who focus on one to $10 million first or second mortgages if you're a builder a developer or a mortgage broker looking to team up with a great source this company is what you need check them out online at myterms.ca or give them a call at 416 myterms they also make it a big priority to give back to the persian community so arash and anita fazilipur check out myterms.ca also a big Hello to Kati Kavandi and Kati Kavandi Immigration Services, kavandi.ca. You may have heard uh, the ongoing story in Iran that there are uh, likely to be restrictions coming on internet use if the internet comes back on, uh, (laughs) among other possible crackdowns. Apparently the word immigration is uh, the most used word in Google searches in Iran, and the immigration demands have skyrocketed in recent weeks. So if you want to want to find the right immigration consultant, you don't want a consultant who might take advantage of this huge amount of applicants for beneficial purposes by giving misleading information. If you're looking for an immigration consultant, search if they are official members of ICCRC and look up their reviews. Kati Kavandi, Immigration Services Inc., is well known for working honestly with their clients, very responsive in handling and chaperoning successful applications all the way through the process. Check out their reviews on Google. Kavandi.ca. Kathy Kavandi Immigration. Kavandi.ca is the website. Um, so much Persian food. Yeah. In the right? UK. Oh, good. Persian so, well, I mean, meaning we ate, so I ate so much. And uh, I mean, I think at one point Reza was just like, I mean, I've told you guys this before, but Reza was like, I can't believe how much you eat yeah. to me. I was like <laughs> I, I, blown I mean, I, away, dude. I'm like, how are you not 700 pounds right now? Like, <laughs> like he was stressed out, he would eat. He was upset, he would eat. He was happy, he would like, let's celebrate. Let's go get something. I, know, I right. told you guys, we, I eat a lot. We had just Christ. had lunch, and then he went to do an interview. He's like, I'm starving. I was like, we literally just, <laughs> just ate. <laughs> It's amazing you're not large man. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like ma- maybe that's what this moon face is uh, <laughs> from all the kebab that's like, caught in my cheeks like a chipmunk. But um, but uh, yeah, we went to some really good places. Yeah. A, mm. a really interesting restaurant we'll tell you about called Bed and Jack. Yeah, oh. yeah. You know yeah. what that means, right, Shia? It means little branch. But little rice. Little yeah. rice, yes. Little yeah. rice. But you know what's funny? The uh, first time, Jian was like, let me look at this, see where this uh, restaurant is. Baron Jack. And I'm like, Baron Jack. In my head, I'm like, maybe like 
Baron and Jack. <laughs> J-A-C-K. I'm like, all right, let's go to this fucking restaurant. Like, why are we going in there? And then we go there. He's like, yeah, this is Baron Jack. And I'm like, Baron Jack. Baron Jack. I, I don't speak like Chuck Norris. Yeah, Baron Jack. Yeah, this is like Baron Jack. And then he's like, I don't know. It's called Baron Jack. What does it mean, Reza? I'm like, it's Baron Jack. It means like little rice. I didn't know what Baron Jack was. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> actually, Baron Jack is a kind of snack in Iran. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, crispy yeah, yeah. rice. Crispy rice, That's yeah. Right. Went to this other place called Cat. Another place called Sama. There's a, at least a dozen Ma restaurants in Finchley called Farsi. Yeah, Ma Dad. <laughs> we'll get to all of those on yeah. our series. Uh, speaking of series, yeah. this Thursday, we're launching a new Rook series right here on our Rook platforms. Hit it, Shia. The Contemporary History of Iran. This Thursday, we're going to have part one of Rook's Contemporary History of Iran. This is a uh, new series exploring Iran in the last 150 years, all things Iranian, Iranian culture, and history from different angles through interviews. So we start, the Sopranos. Uh, we <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is that I good? I love this music. Shai, is this you? Yes. Excellent. A new series. It is really good. The Contemporary History of Iran. This Thursday, uh, look for that. For the next few weeks, we're going to be having this on Thursdays, uh, our Rook Contemporary History of Iran, our new series, and, of course, the regular Rook episodes on Mondays. We're looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically so. just that music. We play the music <laughs> on a loop, Honest, and then we go, that's history. <laughs> Tarikh. Yeah. And then we move on. I can't wait, actually. There's so much that I don't know about our own history that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. So this. for yeah. now, on Thursdays, we're going to run uh, Contemporary History of Iran, uh, and on Mondays, we're going to have our regular show. That's Is that right? right. That's right. Okay. For now, we've got this series, The Contemporary History of Iran, on Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, but all your favorite characters, Captain Reza. Remember the guy who was like, I really like that sweet man. And I was like, Shia and Savi Roham. You know what's funny? Like, we met Shireen, she, our own Shireen Nasseri over yeah. there and for the first time. We met, and then she was like, Oh, I thought you were short. And I'm like, oh, well, Again, again with, this with whole the short, short yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, I, can, I, I had a couple talk. people tell me yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I know, like, know Bessa Balur, who you think is tall, right? I totally right. Don't you think Huge. he's really tall? Right. I'm taller than Bessa Balur. And he did the same thing. He was like, Um, they always think I'm small. Speaking of history, the contemporary history of Iran, we went to the British Museum. We got to get to our guest, Tina Talabi. In just a moment, when we went to the British Museum, we were all excited. I mean, we basically wanted to shoot this whole segment around the Cyrus Cylinder, right? You know, the famous, I think we did It's All Persian to Us about human rights. And you were all amped up about the Cyrus Cylinder. So we get there and Keon's like all excited excited about the Cyrus Cylinder, taking pictures from different angles and stuff. And then we find out that um, the Cyrus Cylinder that's in the British Museum, that's in this case that we're taking pictures with, is a, is a fake. It's a yeah. phony. It's Can a you phony. believe it? The real one is out on loan. Yeah. And that, yeah, there's a little sign there, if you read it carefully, <laughs> going, this, by the way, is not the actual... <laughs> Silas, uh, Silas. Was, you know, I was getting emotional, paying homage. I was like, "Oh, my people!" I know we were like, "Isn't history. it beautiful?" Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. It doesn't. It's I mean, this is the whole point. Is who knows what's in these museums? You know. Right. But you know what's sad. funny? It's. Uh, I told my parents. I'm like, we went there and we thought it was real and yeah. it was fake. And my mom was like, a few years ago, 
Iran made a whole big deal of it that the UK, like they sent the original one back to Iran and is is is, is to be kept at the uh, museum in Iran, in Tehran. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents went to see it mm-hmm. and they would let like one at one person at a time in mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a few days later, it turned out that that was fake also. <laughs> they didn't send the original now, one. Now, Kian was so excited about this cylinder, she was introducing herself as Kian Ducht. <laughs> 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 <So> <laughs> and then when she found out it was a fake, it was like, I'm, I'm Kian. Like, Hello, Cylinder. I'm Keon Docht. <laughs> it's like, Keon, it's fake. You know, I think the way Keon e- emphasizes the Keon Docht so much is why people feel like they have to comment on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, she's like, hi, Ali Azimi. I'm Keon Docht. And so he's like, uh, that's a great name. Like, he feels like he has yeah, yeah, to say yeah. something. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, she really cares about this name. You know? Oh, big time. Big well, that's time. the only reason my parents named me that, so people could acknowledge, like, wow, like, what a historic name. My oh. God. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody. That was our uh, riveting UK roundup. And uh, we will uh, we'll launch our series, uh, uh, as Reza says, Rook on the Road is the... Um, title we're calling it right now but we'll come up with something for you uh that's a video series that's coming out soon uh watch for your rook platforms for that coming up the contemporary history of iran this thursday and um i'm gonna see you guys on the other side of this interview uh groovy shia captain reza the fabulous keon back from the uk let's get to our feature guest my feature guest today is an iranian canadian esl teacher who's become recognized for her extremely popular instagram and youtube channel over the past few years with her charismatic canadian life partner of course a dynamic duo take a listen to this. First word, madrasa. Work. School. 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 No clue. Pass. <laughs> okay. Kablame. Pot. Gorbe. Cat. <laughs> Bulus. Don't know. Shabash. Money. Nice. Pool. Pool. <laughs> Pool is also money. Oh, okay. Shabash is for dancing. Pool is like money. Oh, okay. Cat apps. Food. No, what's this? It's the vegetable. I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's my favorite. It's celery. Celery, yeah. We're out of the rapid fire. Yeah. There you go. A little taste of Tina and James. Uh, it never it never stops being charming. Tina Talebi and her husband James have become internet sensations based on their engaging relationship and candor in exposing their everyday lives, making funny videos about all manner of subjects from learning Farsi to tasting Persian food to the transition from being friends to a dating relationship to a marriage, the differences between Canadian culture and Iranian life, and the personal traits they've borrowed and adopted to achieve integration between their two cultures. Tina was born in Tehran, moved to Canada with her family in 2001. She says she did not know a word of English when she first arrived and uh, perhaps poetically has now dedicated her professional life to teaching English as a second language to new immigrants in Canada. Tina and James got married about five years ago, right around that time. They started to really grow their Instagram and YouTube channels. They live in Southern Ontario, Canada, and right now, Tina Talabi joins me from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. I have to say the Ontario, Canada part because I'm not sure people listening <laughs> around the world and in Iran know where Kitchener is, you know? Yeah, it's a small city. <laughs> um, it's really fun to have you on the program. Do you, do you still find it entertaining to listen back to you and James when we play a clip like that? 
Yeah, definitely. Especially because I haven't listened to that one in a while. So it's so funny. <laughs> you know, I was prepping for this and I went back to the beginnings of your your Instagram page, your page. And, you know, if you go way back and you scroll way down, there's a picture of you alone by some pond in, <laughs> in 2013. <laughs> and it maybe has like a couple of hundred likes. I mean, did you actually imagine that you would become this uh, internet sensation with a future husband, no less? No, not at all. This actually happened over the past year. So, you know, it's been um, a big shock, but it's been so much fun because we're just kind of living our life and sharing it. And it it became interesting to a lot of people, which is really cool. (laughs) You both work pretty full time. How, How much time do you get to spend on working on this channel and then responding to all this response you're now getting? It's a good question because a lot of my friends online, our followers always tell me, Tina, you don't even work. You're always on Instagram because <laughs> I'm talking to them all the time. But yeah, I work full time. And then after that, I, I do Instagram. So all day I'm basically working from one job to the other. <laughs> so y- you only came to Canada about 20 years ago. I'm guessing you were about um, 10 years old. How would you describe your life growing up in Tehran and Gohardasht? Oh, man. Yeah, I was 12 like when we came here. So I left Iran when I was 11. So I was, when we came to Canada after Turkey, I was 12, 13. My life in Iran and in Tehran and Gohardasht was amazing. I had such a good childhood. My parents and my brothers, yeah, we were always traveling together because my dad would drive a truck and he also built homes so in the summertime we would just travel all over iran so i've i've had such a huge love for for you know my home country because i've seen it all i've seen all parts of iran almost because we traveled my dad so yeah I, i can say i had the best childhood if it was so good and you have such a love for iran how difficult was it to leave it was it was very difficult um yeah, it wasn't easy. We were the last of our family members who were still living in Iran. So it was easy when we came here because we had them. But it was hard because obviously we have other family members and friends that we miss so much now. Yeah. So and you know what? It was the hardest for me, even though my two older brothers were in Iran for longer. I didn't adjust to the Canadian culture for a long, long time. I could say until I probably met James, where I, I feel like now Canada is is my home too. I want to get to that. I want to get to your adjustment, but just sticking with your own, what, what was the final precipitant or was there one for your family to say, okay, we, we're going to, we're going to get out of here. Yeah. So we're Baha'is. That's our religion. And in Iran, um, you know, we're not as to say the least liked <laughs> a lot. So we can't go to school, the university, especially. And we wanted to continue our education and have a better life. So, that's one of the main reasons why we left. And of course, all of our family was already here since the revolution happened long, long time ago. I was going to ask you about that. We don't often hear the stories of Baha'is who are still in Iran, you know, post-revolution, mm-hmm. et cetera. How, w- what's that like for a kid? How aware were you of, um, not that making you Baha'i is, makes, makes you different, but it does in Iran. How, how aware were you of that difference? Uh, very aware, I, I can say, because from the beginning, um, they kind of people pick on you in school for it. 
because Iran has religious classes in school, like in regular curriculum. So you have to kind of, everybody knows you're from a different religion if you are. And uh, yeah, so I was aware, very aware from the beginning and kind of was taught from my parents and Sunday school teachers how to um, just be kind and no matter what, just be nice to people, whatever they think and say about about us. And how did you do with that? Um, <laughs> I think I, it's a lot to ask of a kid. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you at some point resented your parents, you know, like, why, why am I born into this religion that, you know, means I get picked on or something? Mm, no, I, I can't say I did because we had a pretty big Baha'i community in Iran and I was with them. So I didn't feel like I was so different until these little things would happen. Like if I was in school and I would get picked on, not by the by my friends or kids, mostly by adults, by our teachers, you know, singling you out because of your religion or asking you, well, if you're Baha'i, how do you pray? And then, you know, would like just make us do kind of embarrassing things. And, and then when we would do them, they would kick us out of school because they would say that you're promoting your religion, even though they they asked me about it. Wow. So little things like that. I can say that it didn't affect me. But now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it would have probably been more difficult if I had stayed and went to high school there. Probably I would have uh, experienced more. So for my mm. brothers, it was probably a lot more than me. It is it is one of those things that you probably don't realize because you're living with it every day, but, but it's yeah. an added layer. It's not, you know, I mean, being a kid in Iran uh, in the, in the contemporary world is not the, always the easiest thing anyway. And so now there's this added layer where you're of this religion that uh, has notoriously been persecuted uh, for generations. Um, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe it, maybe it, um, maybe uh, do, do your parents talk about that? Do your parents, um, talk about what it was like to be Baha'i in Iran? Yeah, we hear all the stories, even from when, uh, before the revolution, from people, neighbors, and how they treated Baha'is and my grandparents and, you know, um, the older generation. So, yeah, we know a lot of different stories, and um, I, I, it's sad to say that it hasn't changed, so... <laughs> You know, watching you on your your videos, I mean, I, I look at you and think this person's probably always been a performer. But um, were <laughs> you were you always this um, this energetic and ready to be in front of the camera when you were, say, a kid in Iran? Uh, yeah, yeah. My brother, one of my brothers, makes fun of me. His name is Sina. He says that if, when it was your birthday, you would act like you were the <laughs> queen of like all your friends, and you would make them circle around you and clap and you would dance in the middle <laughs> so i don't have a memory of that but he says you were like that from the beginning you just love you know that attention Wait, uh, you, on, especially you, on my birthday <laughs> you, you don't remember gathering your friends and making them a clap <laughs> in a circle around you no i don't maybe it was so natural to me that i thought you know this is life but I don't remember that. No, I think he exaggerates a little bit, but. <laughs> did you ever, um, I mean, did you, did you ever have some sense that you're going to be a, a public person in one way or another? No, not at all. Not even till last year. Like, not at all. <laughs> I think James had a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to James because he's a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating guy. You've said you were, um, you, you know, bullied when you first came to the West. I mean, you guys would have immigrated 
So you came in 2001, same year as 9-11, when there was mm-hmm. a heightened uh, racial chauvinism, stereotyping of Middle Eastern people. What was life like for you when you first arrived? It was difficult because I didn't know the language. So it was hard for me to defend myself or even understand if people were talking about me like kids at school. But it didn't take too long. I would say around five, six months, I learned the language. I was able to communicate. I had friends. So those few months in the beginning, it was really hard. But then I found friends from all over the world where they also didn't know English. So we kind of understood each other, you know, in ESL class. And um, then it was nice. It was easy. I remember on my first day to school, there was a girl from Afghanistan who, you know, their their Farsi is different from us. Yes. So, but she, her and I, she helped me so much with everything because I didn't know numbers. I didn't know anything. So she helped me with my locker. She helped me with so many different things. <laughs> you didn't know numbers. Yeah, neither, you mean English words for numbers? Yeah, I, wow. yeah, English words for numbers. I know, like Farsi. Actually, fun fact, my math was probably at a level from Iran, from grade five, because I finished grade five. And when I came here after living in Turkey for two years, I was in grade eight. And my math was probably at a level, like a grade 10 or 11 high school compared to all the other kids in grade eight. But because I didn't know like what's like in English nine times five, even though I knew the times table like nothing, I just couldn't answer the questions on the test. I remember feeling like, oh. Can I, can I, but can I just ask you, if you're from Tehran, I mean, I, I'm getting, maybe I'm getting spoiled by doing this show and, and realizing we have a big audience in Iran who clearly understand English or want to listen to English or, or something and, and having rel- relatives there who can speak a little bit of English or a lot of English. Um, why, why didn't you speak more English or, or have things changed that much in 20 years? A hundred percent. There was like in English classes that you could go to, but I was young. I was only in grade five. So from grade six, seven and eight in Iran, you start learning English in school. So I was just right before that. I see. Yeah. Um, you said a few moments ago that you had more trouble integrating than your older brothers when when you came to Canada, which is counterintuitive because it's usually the younger kid that it, it's easier. You know, the older ones have spent more time integrating into their 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 homeland and, and come to a new place and have trouble uh, learning the ropes. So why was it more of a struggle for you, do you think? I think because I'm a sensitive and emotional person and I would think about Iran and I would think about how different life is. For instance, like around here, uh, closer to the evening, there are no people on the streets, especially in our little town here. Um, and then I would compare it to Tehran when we would go to Darban and there was like so much life and livelihood. You know, I missed it and I missed my friends and mostly my cousins that I grew up with there, like second, third cousins. And yeah, I missed the food. I missed everything. And my brothers, I think because they had sports here, like they started in sports right away. So they were part of like, I don't know, maybe they had more friends and it took me a longer time to find that kind of feeling. And the weather really bugged me. I hated the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, climate change has changed that. There's no snow anymore. Here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You you end up finishing high school, and I think, I mean, I'm trying to piece it together uh, because there's no uh, really detailed bios about you online and stuff. I think mm-hmm. you end up going straight to teacher's college. Um, I, I know that teaching was really important to you. Why? Why was teaching so important? So after high school, I actually went to university, so I got my bachelor's degree and then teacher's college. 
when I was in uh, school and university, I had um, I was majoring in two different things. I had biology, which was sciences, and then religion and culture, which was all about religions of the world, which interested me because of my own upbringing. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And actually, one of my professors, who's, her name is Mina, she's an Iranian professor here in Waterloo. She was my inspiration. She told me, she's like, why, why don't you want to teach? Like, I see how you are with your friends and how you are in class. Um, I think you should go into that. And I thought about just ESL as a general because I had so much fun in it. And it was the reason why I learned English and my parents went there, all of us. So it kind of made, all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, yeah, I don't care about science. <laughs> I'd rather do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wanted to, it's so, it's a great segue because I was, I was thinking, I was marinating on the, on the idea that you now teach ESL and you went through ESL. In fact, it was the lifeline for you. What, what mm-hmm. do you think or what have you learned about um, how your journey through ESL has informed you as a teacher? It's such a sensitive time when you move to a new country. Like I was so hypersensitive with everything. Everything made me depressed. Like the weather made me sad. Not having the right like store to go to to buy different snacks that I like made me sad. You know. So when you have a really nice teacher who understands that, I think you feel like okay, at least one person understands what I'm saying. And because we, uh, my family, we only spoke Farsi at home. We never lost our first language and it's never been English. That I, I thought to myself, you know, I think this understanding that I have, this can, kind of empathy that I have towards people, newcomers, I think can help them. And I teach adults, so I don't teach kids. Ah. I teach students who are probably like 10, 15 years older than me. And what do you learn from them? Like, what what have you learned <laughs> from being an ESL teacher? Uh, a lot. All my students are like lawyers and doctors and dentists and surgeons from their own country. So <laughs> they're like my doctors. If I have like a, any kind of a feeling that's not right, they make sure to tell me what to do. <laughs> Other than that, they have so much wisdom and life experience, you know, when I talk to them about different things. They help me, give me advice. Yeah, especially when we're practicing speaking English. Those are the best days. Just out of curiosity, we're going to have a an episode actually about Persians teaching English with a couple of very um, prominent um, online stars now who've, who've made their bread and butter teaching English. Uh, but, but what have you learned about what the most challenging part of learning English is for um, Middle Eastern folks or Iranian folks? I would say it's um, number one thing is that they're shy. They are so afraid to make a mistake when they're speaking because they want it to be perfect and it's never going to be perfect. And Iranians want everything to be exactly (laughs) the way it should be. Right. So I always tell my Iranian students, I'm like, who cares? Make a mistake. You know, just talk, just say whatever you want to say. And even in the middle, if you throw in a Farsi word, it's okay. I understand. You know, I'll help you. And and they're just they just don't want to make a mistake. Okay, so tell us the story <laughs> of first meeting James. Where where did you first <laughs> encounter this man? <laughs> so I bought the first Samsung Galaxy phone the smartphone, the first one. So I think now we're at like, what, nine, 10, like 12, something like that. I had the first one 
And I went from a Sony Ericsson tiny little phone to that. And so I didn't know how to use it. And I remember I had an icon in the notification center that I didn't know what it was. And I was at the mall with my friend. And uh, so I went to the store where I got my phone. And James worked there. So this, when this I walked in. This is in, in Waterloo? This in Kitchener? Me. Yeah. I'm in Kitchener. The mall is in Waterloo. Waterloo is like Kitchener and Waterloo are basically one. They're right beside each other. They're like 10 minutes apart. So I went to the mall there to my like phone provider place. It's called Bell. And he worked there. So when I walked in and I saw him and he saw me from the counter, he quickly came out and came towards me <laughs> to help me. And finally enough, his work has always been outdoors, either um, working on exterior of homes or roofs or different things like that. So he actually had a football, American football injury. And that's why he wasn't working at his real job. And he was working at Bell because he couldn't do physical labor. So I, uh, he's like, hi, how can I help you? And I'm like, oh, I don't understand these things on my phone. And because he was new, he actually couldn't help me. He's like, oh, I don't know either. <laughs> Let me take you to my friend. And then he kind of stood there. I got my phone fixed and he was kind of just standing there and staring at me. And my friend was just looking at me. She's like, what's like, do you know this guy? (laughs) (laughs) And then I left. We didn't talk after that. But weirdly enough, I had a part-time, very, very part-time job where I worked once every like two weeks for like three hours. And I was a receptionist at a salon. So if his store was like across on the other side, mine uh-huh. where I worked was over here. So we were across from each other. Okay. So a week later, I had a shift and I showed up. I was there. And while I was working, I hear someone saying, hey, how's your phone? And I look up and it's James. And then at the end of that night, I think he wrote his number on a piece of paper. And he's like, he wrote his name and he's like, call or text. And I texted him the same night. <laughs> wow. I always love mm. stories like this, especially when there, there, there's a happy ending uh, of, of you guys being such a great couple. Mm. But but did you know, did you have a sense when you first meet this guy? Like the very moment you met him, uh, I wish he was here because I want to ask him if he would, I would ask him the same question. <laughs> but did you have this kind of weird feeling of like, oh, this this is someone I'm going to, that is important this is an important meeting or did it just seem like some guy in a store no honestly just to be honest it was for both of us and i know he'd say the same because we talk about it all the time and people ask us it was just number one we were attracted to each other from our looks i liked how he looked he liked how that's it it wasn't like oh my god that's gonna be my husband never Never in a million years I thought that when I met him first. You thought he was you thought he was him, hot, basically. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, he's so hot. <laughs> yeah. And and what about when he came into the store the the next week? And I mean it sounds like you didn't think twice when he left his number for you. No, no. I no, I texted him the same night because I remembered him and I talked to him about to my other friends. I was like, Oh, there's this hot guy who works at Kanestoga Mall. And I've never seen him before because he never worked at the mall because of his football injury. He was there. So, yeah, I was I was excited to see him again. It was nice. And then when he gave me his number, I was so happy. I went home and I texted my close friends. I was like, the guy from the mall gave me his number. What should I do? And they're like, don't call him. Don't text him. I was like, screw <laughs> you guys. I'm texting him tonight. <laughs> now, he he's clearly, you know, or I mean, 
actually, he seems quite Persian these days, but clearly when you first <laughs> met him, he was not a Persian guy. Was that um, a- a- an issue for you at all? Did you think that you were going to, were you more into dating Persian guys or, or were you always okay with Kharaji, as we would say? <laughs> no, honestly, I can't say I even had experience in dating. Like my first real date date was with James. I So yeah, no, it wasn't a problem. And it was exciting because it was like all my first experiences were with James. So yeah, it so was nice. He seems so open and um, loving about learning Persian and integrating into Iranian family habits and Iranian community. Was he always that way? I mean, I know you're not going to say anything bad about him, but but was he like <laughs> that from the very beginning? Was he asking you questions about being Persian or trying to learn the words or uh, uh, the way yeah. he does now? Yeah, so when he met me first, he said he thought I was Colombian. <laughs> and so later when I told him, no, I'm Persian, he's like, what's that? He didn't even know where Iran was. And I'm like, Oh, Iran, you know, or Iran, as maybe you would have heard it. And he said, where is that? I literally had to show him on Google Maps where it is. So he had no idea, but he's always, always been interested and open after that. Maybe it's that kind of um, not knowing where this land is. Like he made so many like funny comments to me that maybe people would call ignorant and not knowing where <laughs> what they're saying, like, do you want me to share one with you? Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. I remember um, one time uh, he lived in a house where they were doing construction in the house and um, the bathroom didn't have a door. And I was visiting him and we were like watching a movie or something and I had to use the bathroom. And I'm like, where is the door? Like, which, <laughs> you know, I, I need to use the bathroom. He's like, oh, you want me to just like put a curtain on the <laughs> thing or something? And I'm like, no, this is so weird. I can't use the bathroom like this. He's like, well, aren't you used to this kind of bathrooms from like Iran? I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So you you quickly disabuse them of any notions of uh, our uh, barbaric like uh, yeah. upbringings uh, in Iran. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. The focus. <laughs> I mean, I'm fans of yours, and I watch these videos. That the focus often does seem to be on him. Um, mm-hmm. coming to you, like him integrating into becoming Persian. Um, h- how have you integrated into being Canadian? I mean, can, can you think, I mean, besides the fact that you live here and have to learn the language, are there ways in the relationship itself, for example, where you feel like you've had to kind of become more Western to be a better fit with him? Or is it always this poor guy has to be has to be more Persian, you know, like us? So, yeah, that's, you know, that's the thing that people always ask. And they think because I, I am Persian, I'm the one asking him, you know, you need to learn this or do this or look at this. But he's always been so curious. So it's mostly him asking me or mostly him saying, I want to go to Persian school, you know, things like that. But in terms of me, yeah, I've adapted to so many things that are Canadian. I could say maybe Canadian activities, like winter activities. Before, like in the winter, I wouldn't even leave the house. You know, I hated even being outside. This past year, he taught me how to ice skate. Um, Yeah, we do a lot of different things like that. That has to do with Canadian culture, even with food. Um, 
even like comedy or things like that yeah we yeah, i would say it's 50 50 but no one cares to know what i <laughs> what i'm learning about canadian culture you know yeah it's, it's not interesting to me decidedly <laughs> less charming than him than than james trying to speak farsi and, uh, and doing yeah. uh, doing some getting um <laughs> there's a there's obviously a mixed race element to your relationship that um, I think is inspiring for a lot of people. I know you've said your parents were always very open minded, but um, did you get any pushback from uh, other relatives or the Persian community when when you first announced, for example, that you were engaged, that you were going to get married to this guy? Yeah, family like relatives, none, none whatsoever. Everyone was super supportive and open minded, and it's just normal, I guess, because even in our family we have mixed like interracial marriages maybe friends that but they never told me maybe behind my back but no no one no one to my face <laughs> and i guess on the flip side i imagine you guys um i mean you, you know I, I don't even know what what is james's background what is he, he he's what is his his ethnic background mm-hmm. So James is a mix of so many different things, like American, Canadian, Scottish, German, a um, little bit of, I think, Trinidad. But his parents are both light skin oh. with no African-American features. But his great-grandfather was half, like a 25% from Trinidad. So all of these generations, only a few members of the family has gotten these genes. So James has a twin who is white skin blue eyes and he is the way he is so it's really interesting he his family history I really like it. I really like you guys. The um, and it's not. I mean, it's not like it's some huge, you know, change from. Obviously, there are a lot of Iranians who are in um, mixed race uh, relationships. But there is something about when I was first watching videos of you guys, and I was like, why is this so interesting to me? It shouldn't be. And I think it's because I don't often see uh, a Persian girl with like a black guy or so. Or, you know, that this kind of it's it's it still feels progressive mm-hmm. somehow. <laughs> feels like cool mm. or new and i imagine you guys get a lot of support for that cross-cultural nature of of what you're you know you're in a, in a sort of a leading by example way which again sounds strange for 2021 but not necessarily entirely mm-hmm. for the persian community what do people yeah. say in that regard in the beginning there were a few strange comments here and there and directs that were racist but i took it as like my job to make sure I have conversations with people who were feeling like that. And they totally flipped and became like open-minded and said, apologized for those comments. I, I can say every single person that I spoke to, and which wasn't a lot, maybe three or four that I saw, maybe there were many that I didn't see, but in terms of support, oh man, so much support, like especially from Iranian girls. They want to know how to introduce someone to their family. What did you do? How did it work? And they want so much different type of advice that I don't know if I, I should be giving out advice, but I just tell them what happened to me. <laughs> Tina, when did you guys, I guess, decide or or look into each other's eyes and give a nod that you're going to showcase so much of your lives and relationship online. I mean, you, 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 as you say, it's really taken off in the last year, but you know, you have been making these videos for a few years. You, you, Mm -hmm. you have pictures of even when he proposed, I mean, there's, you know, you, you, you guys have really laid bare in a very 21st century way. Um, we, we're growing with you at this point and the relationship, um, was that a conscious decision? How much did you talk about that? And 
and and where have you gotten to in in, in terms of any boundaries that you place on how much you want to showcase that? Mm-hmm. With us, there is no uh, limit, I would say, with our life of what we want to share or not. We just share everything. And it's like very easy and comfortable and natural. Before this whole year, we tried, we were promoting our YouTube and Instagram as travel because we traveled so much. We wanted to have a couple's travel page. So I'm sure if you went all the way down, you saw there were so many travel photos. But it didn't, no one cared, you know. There's so many traveling couples, no one, it didn't hit that algorithm. But I guess the reason why it did of the Persian and Canadian culture mix, um, the only place I would say we don't share too much is people who don't want to be online, like on our stories. So we always ask, like, our family and friends, and there are people who don't really care to be on there. So other than that no we don't mind sharing things we never had like a meeting where we sat down and said okay this is what we're going to do we always wanted to do that so when it naturally happened it was like oh my god awesome let's go i mean (laughs) persians are or can be uh, persian families especially notoriously private uh, at least they used to be i mean what what did your family direct family or extended family have to say about how openly you would expose your life uh they were okay with it yeah they didn't really say anything in specific, just kind of like, be careful, you know, this is about, this is all online. Just be careful who you like talk to and what you say and things you share. God, your parents are so much cooler than... Uh, <laughs> They're I mean, so chill. I, I mean, my mom would be like, Betty, I mean, she's out of biggie, you know, like, she would be like... <laughs> um, yeah, no, my parents are really, really relaxed. <laughs> that's great when when, yeah. <laughs> when was it clear that you guys were i mean you said that nobody cared uh, as much about the the travel uh stuff or whatever when was it clear that you <laughs> you suddenly were becoming this online hit um i think when covid happened and the lockdown was going on the first step first one james and i were just home and i wanted to start a tiktok account and James was like, no, TikTok is for people who dance. I don't want to do all this like stupid dances. I'm like, no, we don't have to dance. We can just do kind of like funny things that we think is funny. And we just share it and it's fun. And just like how my Instagram was, it was for family and friends. And I thought, you know, TikTok could be the same. And then his first video that went viral was when he was eating kotlets with piaz, like piaz akam. <laughs> and he loves piaz and he's never ate it before like that. Just maybe sauteed. So after that, we're like, okay, so people like like what you do on a regular basis. So let me show them other things that you ask me or you do or say. And that's when it took off, yeah. I, I like that you say he at first was like, uh, uh, I don't want to dance on one of those TikTok. Uh, it, all it is is him <laughs> dancing now. I mean, it's every video yeah. he's dancing. You know? He loves that. Like he loves Persian dancing and he thinks it's so fun and he finds it just very entertaining. Because when we would go to like Manhunis and Irises, he'll be like, all right, like these people are so into dancing. Are they all drunk? I'm like, no, <laughs> everyone's just like having a good time. <laughs> just chilling. So he, yeah, he doesn't mind dancing Persian. Some of these videos have, you know, a couple of million views. I mean, do you even, what do you, what do you make of that? It's so crazy. Like the first one I was talking to you about the Kotlet one, and trying about and all this stuff um we couldn't believe it when i like refreshed 
the video and it went from like usually we get a couple of hundred views on it was the tiktok one um and then i like refreshed it and it was like 100k and i was like what i just posted that and i showed it to him he's like whoa that's so cool is is it is it your profile maybe somebody uploaded it i'm like no this is my profile literally five minutes later it was like half a million in like 24 hours it was at two million and then all of a sudden people on instagram found it and shared it with each other and then my instagram went from i think 1100 followers to like 20k in a week it's crazy and i was like oh my god this is what i wanted all the time and now it's here i was so excited <laughs> still am <laughs> who is your audience uh so there are persians from all over the world and also different countries that people who have been with persians maybe before either are or have been in the past which find it interesting and funny and they i can't say they're all women because it's i think 60 40 so a little bit more than half are women and all ages all sorts of ages i i often uh, i mean we're nowhere near the sensation you guys are in terms of the online presence but I often tell people when I'm doing uh, t talking to somebody like you, like an influencer or somebody who who has gotten this big audience, that it's so gratifying to me that we're doing something where there's Iranians in Iran um, who are have become really interested in this content. Um, what, what does that feel like for you, this Baha'i kid who left Iran over 20 mm -hmm. years ago, to to have this? following of people in your own home country um who are are this captivated by by your life it feels really nice it feels warm and cozy you know i feel like the love that i've had for iran is kind of like it's not like it's paying off but it's showing me that it loves me back in a way you know because i've always had so much love for iran and i would always reminisce and my cousins here all know, like, I talk about Iran all the time. I'm like, well, you have to try this from Iran. And this lava shack is good, but the ones from Iran are like this, you know? So I, I feel like it's like a, it's such a warm feeling for me. And I feel grateful. And at times I forget, I forget that there are all these people who are watching us from Iran and all over the world. It's so, it's really crazy. I used to look at influencer interviews and be like, how do you forget you have half a million followers? But you really do, especially when you get them over such a short period of time. It's really, you you don't understand it in a way. Also, it's going to, I mean, you can't possibly think about half a million followers when you're posting something because it'll fuck with your head, right? You can't. It, it just, <laughs> True. Yeah, uh, it just wouldn't, definitely. It wouldn't. Do you ever feel, um, I mean, most of your the content that I've seen is not p political. Um, it's 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 not particularly heavy. Do you ever feel um, like you would need to be? Does anybody say to you you should speak out about Iran or this execution that happened or um, the uh, problems in Khuzestan with water, etc.? Yeah. Oh, definitely. When I see something that kind of speaks to my heart, I share it. Or, or if it's something an Iranian who's like. Um, like the chef, I, I just shared something from a page that they asked me, they're like, can you share the chef who cooked at the Met Gala and they have a restaurant in New York, Sofre, I think it's called. Yeah. So yeah, people, people definitely send me a lot of things. I feel, sometimes I feel the pressure, both James and I, and he always tells me, oh, don't do it if you don't want to. But, you know, I want to make sure that I'm representing Iranians all over the world. So 
I pick and choose the things that are close to my heart and that I know at least a few things about. And I honestly, I can say with all honesty, I don't know a lot of things about what's happening in Iran and, and even all over the world. I try to kind of not with negative news. But yeah, people pressure sometimes. <laughs> Do you feel pressure to create new content at this point? I mean, is it a is it a job now you've created this this monster machine? Do you feel the need to oh my god, we haven't posted yet to this week. We got we need to create content? Uh not yet, only because when James and I let's say are driving somewhere, we're talking about something and it's funny and I just whip out my phone and we make a video right there. That's why you see it in the car and the house mostly where we are naturally just hanging out together. So not yet, but we used to put out content six, seven days a week, and now we've toned it down to maybe four or five, maybe sometimes one. If we're traveling, we don't. So it's more relaxed now, for sure. Have you, has the topic come up of giving up your day jobs? I mean, you can, you could start making a lot of money doing this, right? From uh, the streams or from, uh, uh, I don't know, promotions or, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. James is, before even our Instagram kind of made it this far, James was always like, if you don't want to wake up in the morning, it's okay, babe. Just quit your job. I'm working. I'm like, he's so sweet that way. And he always wants me to be comfortable. And I'm like, no, no, like I love my job. I, I work part-time as a teacher, so it doesn't, it's not that much of my day. I used to work full time, but um, after a bit, I realized I have to kind of manage a lot of different things. So now I'm part time this, part time that. Maybe in the future, I'll be full time Instagram, but not yet because I just can't seem to let my job go. I know with COVID, things are just opening up, but uh, do you do you get recognized when you go out? I mean, your channel is that popular, especially I was thinking about those, those adults that you teach ESL to, they've got to be yeah. watching your videos, right? They got to know that you're, uh, <laughs> you become this internet star. Yeah, definitely. It's weird. Like sometimes this is the first week of school that we've been back and I have a couple of Persian students and they're so sweet. One of them I know from before Instagram happened. The other is now new at some points it weirds me out because I'm like, because people are on their phone a lot and I don't know if they're taking pictures of me or videos or like, I don't, I have no idea. It's very new. Maybe I can answer this question in a few months, but so far maybe it's only in my own head. Um, but it's nice every time someone recognizes us places that we go. It's really cool. It all feels really positive, Tina. And I, 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 I think that's, it's so great. I mean, it, it sounds like it's just been, there's so much um, toxicity and there's so much negativity that is associated with uh, the online world that this this sort of journey that you guys have had so far, being as positive as it has, the, the reaction and response being positive, the vibe you guys put out there and the cultural integration, uh, it, it's really nice to see it going so well. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can say I agree. It's been so lovely. We feel so grateful and because people go through so much online and so far it's been amazing for us. Just a bunch of friends. We feel like we have friends from all over the world. Have you returned to Iran at all? And, and if not, would you? Um, probably not anymore. I don't think I can now um, from the attention that we've gotten. But in the past, I have, yeah, in 2007 and eight, both summers, I went back with my mom. 
I think when the nice. when the circumstances allow, that's going to be the next level. Is taking James oh, yeah. to uh, you know Mashhad and uh, yeah. pl- pl- plopping him on a street and getting it on video. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's really great talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for the time and congratulations on the success you've had. We'll be following and I hope to see you guys before too long. Thank you so much and thanks for having us, having me. It was supposed to be with James maybe popping in, but he really had to go, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Next time. We need him. We need him as well. Yes. I, got, I got a lot of yes. questions for him. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Merci. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hadafes. Tina Talavi, an Iranian-Canadian ESL teacher and a very popular YouTube and Instagram presence exploring cultural issues, connections, and divides in her fun way with her charismatic husband, James. Tina Talavi, join us from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada today. Right, microphone's back on for Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, and the fabulous Keon. Uh, Tina Talebi. You know what was nice was to have somebody, I'm not sure how many folks we've had on this program of Baha'i faith. Mm. I don't, and yeah, I was, I don't think we've we had, had any. Really? My, I don't remember well, any. Well, shame on us. We should have, yeah. you know? And it's great yeah. to have Tina, uh, you know, talk a bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baha'is are a big part of our community yeah. and, yes. and yeah. certainly what they've been through uh, needs to be recognized. And it reminded me of most of my friends, actually, I grew up with, because Baha'i, Baha'i, the Baha'i faith started in Shiraz. Really? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Starting in Shiraz, and then uh, and a lot of my friends like were Baha'i, and they they you could finish high school, but you can't go to university. Oh gosh. And it was so heartbreaking. Like I, I remember, like a, a, a very very dear friend of mine who's now here actually, Siavosh Dana, uh, Dana Dana. Um, he, he was a like, straight A student all th- uh, throughout high school. It was, it was way better student than I was. He couldn't go to university, oh and uh, yeah, it was was terrible. Wasted four years of his life just working like odd jobs here and there, and then after a little while, he was able to go to Turkey, get asylum, and come to Canada. I never realized it was that hard for Baha'is to get through life there. Yeah, it was I very heartbreaking. But um, mm. wow. Well, anyway, yeah, but uh, uh, Tina Talabi. Uh, um, you know, I, I didn't expect her to not be charming, and obviously no, she is. Yeah. And and she's. Um, we talk about them being a dynamic duo with her yeah, and James. Yeah. She certainly referenced him a lot. Yeah. You yeah. know, as someone who, uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's cute the way um, she just. It's nice that they've somehow met in the middle. Yeah. You know, with her learning the Canadian culture and him it's being beautiful. as enthusiastic as he is yeah. about Persian you culture. said it. It's all their account is all positivity. Like I, you know, you watch all their videos and it really generally makes you happy. Mm-hmm. There's just no, mm-hmm. you know, it just yeah, brightens your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is all, it's very all sweet. positive. Yeah. 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 And I love the fact that she, you know, when she first came here, she didn't know the language and she struggled and and um, lo and behold, she be, she ended up becoming an ESL teacher because she understands their struggle. I think that's yes. really beautiful. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was, uh, and and Chaya? It was interesting for me that she actually d- didn't know numbers when she yeah. arrived. It was really interesting, wow. you know, numbers like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Mm. Mm. Huh? Okay. Mm. 
He's like, it was interesting. Okay, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> okay. Huh? Nobody? Okay, moving. <laughs> nice. A big thank you. A big thank you to Cavi. Cavi. <laughs> Savvy. <laughs> Savvy Cassie Cavandi. Actually, that's not a bad name. Cassie Cavandi Immigration Services for making this edition of Rook possible. Cavandi.ca, Kion. Cavandi.ca, Kion Docht. How nice. This is a full service immigration firm that offers all inland and overseas immigration services, including temporary visas, permanent visas, PR extensions, citizenship applications. Katy and her team are available to inform and assist you as their client throughout the whole immigration process. If you want to come to Canada or you're here, you need support, you need an immigration counselor, Katy is your person. Katy Kavandi Immigration, Kavandi.ca. And a shout out to Anita and Arash Fazali Poor, the founders of MyTerms.ca, very successful mortgage company in Ontario here in Canada. They believe in educating their clients to understand every aspect of the financing being obtained. And they see each transaction through from the beginning to the end to make sure that they're closed with ease. If you're looking for a mortgage in the Toronto or greater Ontario region, MyTerms.ca. .ca is the place to go. Batchaha myterms.ca they're among the best and both Arash and Anita make it a priority to give back to the Persian community. Big thanks to them and myterms.ca. You know, uh, Reza was just talking about the Shiraz and mm. the the hilarious being in England with Reza. Every day we'd oh. we'd go somewhere. Twice, <laughs> like oh, there was one night we were walking to a uh, a bar and and uh, like we're literally on a street. We're just it's a street and, yeah. and it couldn't be more nondescript. It was like a road yeah. and he's like, nah, you know, uh, this reminds me of Shiraz. I'm like, it is. This is a street. Like this yeah. looks like you know every time Willowdale yeah. or Richmond Hill. Like yeah. you know, Oh, this, and then, like you know, we, he'd have a, like a piece of pie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this reminds me of Shiraz. Oh my god, <laughs> you guys! You guys don't deserve. You know this. how I would introduce myself as Kiondo yeah. whenever we were with our guests. Oh my I god, feel like, the Shiraz like, card. Yeah, he was trying to show off that he's from Shiraz. He's like, oh yeah, like with who are we with? Nazanin, um, Ans- uh, Ansari. Ansari. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was her street that it reminded me. Of the no, 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 it wasn't. No, oh, oh that one too. No, no, no there's a number of streets that every street we went on reminded you of Shiraz. Literally. There is a huge community of Shirazis in in London, by the way. What's that? There is a huge community of Shirazis in London. Well, yeah, we would know that because you have to say it every stop. Uh, You know, I mean, it's great. You're a proud Shirazi. but. Yeah, I like it. Man. I, it was just anything, you know, like, and things that are like iconically British, yeah. you know. Oh, the tube, you know. Hmm, this reminds me of Shiraz. <laughs> no, 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 actually, you asked me that. You were like, "Does this tube remind you of Shiraz too?" I was like, "Actually, we do have a tube there." <laughs> we get stops. it, man. You're from Shiraz, okay? <laughs> Land of the poets. Did you go to Baker Street Station? Oh, no. Yes, no. we did. Did we? Why do you ask that? We well, we passed through it. Oh, that's what we did. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. I oh, love that place. Actually, oh, yeah, I yeah. lost yeah. there. And I, I, yeah. Yeah, you got lost there? Yeah. No way. At, uh, oh. I was high and I, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find it. <laughs> what else is new? Oh. <laughs> oh, fantastic. On that note, uh, this is full time for Rook for today. Thank you to the fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, and the whole Rook team for putting the show together. Producer Susan Ponta, the artist. 
Super Patty Saw, Savvy Roham, Aray Merdad, and Sponsorship Sean. Our website is rookmedia.com where you can find everything, all things Rook, the funnies, the videos, the episodes, the guests, rookmedia.com. This Thursday, we launch our Rook series, The Contemporary History of Iran. Part one is this Thursday. You want to tune in for that on this regular bat channel. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and uh, sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi or on Facebook or any of those platforms that don't work. Wie sind wir